Welcome back to your first million. This is Arlen. This is a special episode that is from the podcast Techish in the UK. It is an editorial about my book, It's About Damn Time, coming out May 5th. You can pre-order it at itsaboutdamntime.com. This episode was commissioned and... um. I think it's really awesome, really appreciate all of the kind words and the insights and the relatability, everything. So I want you to check it out, give it a listen, and hopefully it, uh, if you're on the fence about pre-ordering It's About Damn Time, you won't be after you listen to this. Again, go to itsaboutdamntime.com. You can check out the book and my new online course. If you see Arlen's Academy, you click on that on the website and you like what you see, use code your first million, all one word, your first million, named after this podcast, for a deep, deep discount. Check it out. See you on the other side. Welcome to a brand new extra special episode of Techish with your host Abedessi of Hustle Crew and Michael Bahane of POC in Tech. Whew, what a special episode we have for you today. This is sponsored by one of our all-time favorite human beings in the universe, the incredible Arlen Hamilton, who you might know as the founder and managing partner of Backstage Capital. So, Michael. I'm gonna tell Ryan to drop a bomb at this point. Ryan, drop a bomb right now. <laughs> Um, so longtime listeners will know Arlen from the incredible interview that Michael did, which I'm still so jealous I was in Lagos for and missed. <laughs> <laughs> you missed out. <laughs> uh, but of course, we also got to meet her and the rest of the backstage team again when we went to Philadelphia for Black and Brown Founders Project North Star Conference. Shout out uh, to but backstage if you're not familiar, If you're not familiar with this incredible headline-making venture capitalist and tech investor, she once found herself homeless trying to break into Silicon Valley's impenetrable venture capital scene. And through her own resilience, commitment, and superpowers, <laughs> which, she, <laughs> yeah, which, she, which she shares the details of in her book, uh, she was able to eventually launch her own fund, Backstage Capital, which has invested over $7 million in more than 120 companies led by underrepresented founders. Now, in a tech game where we know that black women founders get like a fraction of a fraction of a percent in VC funding. This is big money. And we're really excited to devote this episode to her new book, It's About Damn Time. It's About Damn Time. Yeah, you know what? To be fair, when people like reach out and say, oh, can you do like a sponsored episode? Kind of cringe because you're like, sometimes the topic might be crap, <laughs> basically, for like full transparency. So when I read the, um, when Arda reached out and she talked about like doing the book, I was excited. Then I read the book and I was like, oh my God, this is like dope. Like I'm actually glad that we don't have to pretend that the book is good. The book is amazing. <laughs> like, um, Dude, I so... highlighted so much. It got to the point where I was like, why am I even highlighting? I've highlighted half of the page. Let me just, <laughs> let me just print off this page. <laughs> it was interesting reading her book because I, I kind of was reflecting on my own experiences of writing my book. 
And one of the reasons why I wrote my book <laughs> was plug, because... Quick plug there. <laughs> plug, <laughs> plug. <laughs> but I, I was very conscious of the fact that there aren't that many women of color, black women that talk about the unique challenges they faced when trying to reach their goals in a white patriarchal world. And so much of what I love in this book is that Arlen is extremely honest of what was going on in her personal and real life and how all of those things impacted the decisions that she made as she tried to, you know, break into the tech world, launch her own fund. Um, And so I do feel like a lot of our listeners are going to be able to relate to that. Often when we look at advice, it's very much framed from the identity of people who are like in the majority groups or in the status quo. And that makes it less effective. A hundred percent. And the book is like, it's hella tactical as well. As you know, you read some books and it's just like, oh, like, you know, um, just believe in yourself. It's like, well, actually she actually breaks down um, the kind of mindset that she used to break into the industry. So the first chapter is called Let's Get Information. So it's a play on the Beyonce song, Let's Get Information. But <laughs> what she talks about is how we all know that money makes money. We've all heard that phrase, money attracts money. Um, you know, the best way to kind of get rich is to have assets that make money. But what do you do when you have no money? Mm-hmm. Essentially, she started off broke, unemployed, um, in her mid-30s. And her perspective is you have to make yourself the money. What does that mean? You have to make yourself an asset. It's kind of like that Steve Martin thing about be so good, they can't ignore you. I love that. And she talks about how she came into the VC game not knowing much. She had the aspiration to want to be a VC. She worked in the music industry beforehand. Um, And she was like, listen, I tapped into all of the mountains of podcasts out there, the mountains of books out there, the mountains of magazines out there, to the point where people who are in the industry were asking her for advice. <laughs> and it reminds me of like, there was one episode we were talking way back when, I think you went to like a pitch competition. Mm. And I think it was like a girls in tech event, basically. And a lot of people were like, oh, we need a full stack engineer. Don't even know what a full stack engineer is. We need a React engineer. Yes. You don't even know what React is. As in like, so many people have aspirations to things, but they haven't even done the homework. Absolutely. And if I think of where I see people ignoring the value of this lesson in real life, I mean, it happens on social media all the time, like where I'll just like post something and someone will be like, what does that mean? Or like, how do you find that? (laughs) And like, I can't tell you how little motivation I have to respond to things like that. Because for me, it's just like, I, I think that curiosity is such a attractive trait in someone. It's like, I want to work mm. with curious people. Curious people make me better. P- curious people drive me to know more and work harder. And I think, you know, curiosity and like getting information are closely tied. And of course, like Arlen talks about curiosity in, in other parts of the book too, but like sticking with this idea of like getting information, like there's so much power in information. And at the same time, I don't think like that many people are going through the motions of like diving deep into something they really care about. So I'll like give you an example where like someone approached me recently and they had this business idea um, and it yeah. was like related to the experiences of black women. When I press them a bit further on, you know, the problem, like I really wanted them to like really illustrate the problem for me. I started to realize mm-hmm. that their their experiences of the problem were actually really limited. And when I actually wow. asked them about like, okay, so like what, what other solutions already exist in this space? Like what are people already doing? They didn't know. And they just got to that point where I was just like, <laughs> I really can't take you seriously right now. And I think, you know, Arlen makes the, the point in this book, like she's not just telling people, look, yeah, there's Google, go use it, right? But what she's saying is like, if you care about something, then you should be able to know who are the experts in that field, right? If mm. I say to you, Michael, okay, Michael, guess what? I'm, I'm pivoting into a focus on ethics in AI. 
Like I'm done with all the diversity inclusion mm-hmm. stuff. I'm just interested about like how unethical AI could impact underrepresented communities. I'm going down this rabbit hole. Now, of course, like the mm. first thing I'm going to do is find out who's already talking about this. Like who's already talking about the impact of AI and underrepresented communities, the fact that certain autonomous vehicles can't recognize dark skin. I want to read the studies. I want to listen to the podcast. I want to watch the TED Talks. Um, And I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's about like when you find that avenue that piques your curiosity, you should just keep running down that road of information until you get to the bottom, which you probably never will, right? Yeah, you know, the thing you said about the founder who was like, oh, I don't know, like, I don't know. I've had that happen to me so many times when I've asked people, so who's the competition? Mm. You know what the red flag answer is? We have no competition. You <laughs> like, obviously have competition. You just haven't done the homework, fam. Don't lie to me. And I'm not anybody who's important. But one day you're going to be in front of somebody who is important and you're going to say that and make a fool of yourself, right? The other thing I love though is the fact she says, listen, not all of us are readers. Like not all of us are blessed to enjoy the aspect of picking up a book, sitting down, and reading hours upon end but like you don't need to you can listen to this podcast plug plug you can listen to audiobooks you can yes. go on youtube like i can't tell you how many hours i've just gone down youtube and i've, I've watched people like eric reese to explain the lean startup and you know i've seen about 10 of his videos i've seen him explain the lean startup in more ways than i can even count right mm-hmm. um, and just use the ish that's at your disposal right and i know it's not fun right and i think the thing about this book and so many of the chapters kind of just ram home the concept that there are people like you, for example, Abba, there's people like Arlen, who are doing the groundwork and trying to make inclusion a reality in the tech industry. But it doesn't take away from the fact that you as an underrepresented person have to be, you have to work three times harder. You just have to. I oh, wish yeah. it wasn't the case, but you just do. You have to just like put the time in and level up your knowledge to the point where nobody can question you. Because people will question you. We're talking off mic about people not assuming that you know what you're talking about or not assuming that you're competent. And the only way you can do that Unfortunately, you know, I wish race and, and sex wasn't a factor, but it is. But the mm. only way you can kind of overcompensate is just by being like, I know my shit. I know exactly. all my ish from top to bottom. Oh, uh, sorry. I found, on, I found, I found two amazing black women t- who, who speak on ethics and AI. One of them is one of yeah, your yeah, sisters. On, one of your sisters from Eritrea. Tim. Whoop, whoop, we in the building. Timnit Gebru. Timnit Gebru. Anyway, Gebru. she founded the Black and AI community. Oh, right. Yeah, I remember. And then there's also Dope. Joy Buola Mwini. So she's probably Yoruba, represent. And she's the founder of the Algorithmic Justice League. <laughs> what were the odds that we would find an East African and a Nigerian? <laughs> I am just saying that the crowns of the continent are there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, so I'm not going to lie. This is my favorite chapter. It's called Write Your Own Invitation. Oof, yes. She recalls a story where Chris Saka, who's like this mega billionaire VC investor, was kind of talking at a conference, right? And obviously, everyone's clamoring to go speak to him. So she realized, I'm not going to get a chance to have a word with this guy. I'm trying to build up my VC firm, Backstage Capital. I need to get in front of him, right? Maybe he can invest. Maybe he can help me, whatever, whatever. So what she does, she speaks to the black staff member that she sees. And so often, these events have like, black <laughs> staff members, black yes. security, black toilet attendants. And I'm not going to lie, like I love this part of the book because... Um, Whenever I used to work in corporate environments, people would tease me because they'd be like, oh, is the black staff member your uncle? Because I'd always give them a conversation. I would treat them like a human being where so often people just walk past them like they don't exist. But anyway, so going back to the story, yeah, she speaks to the black staff member and she says, where is there a chance where I can speak to him where he's going to be by himself? Black staff member goes, listen, he's going to go around the back. He's going to go down the stairs. He's going to go to the makeup room. He's going to have a chance to interrupt him there. So she hacks away backstage does all the steps that the staff member told her wow. and managed to have a quick conversation with Chris Saka as he sat in a makeup chair completely unattended for like 10, 20 minutes. I think for me, it's just showing how 
we have to be bold sometimes like and we have to like really just like put ourselves out there and almost like pursue like an idea that at face value might seem a bit silly or a bit weird but ultimately gets results i feel like the whole time i've been reading this book i've all i've kind of been like forced to like reflect on like my own qualities that i might have like dismissed as like obscure like bizarre because arlen talks a lot about how like from a very young age, she's been very curious about people and she just like building connections with people like similar to you where you're just like, I'm not looking at people based on their status in this room. I'm just like, Hey, he's my bro. What's up? And like, she gave this like funny story of like how, when she was like in second grade, she would like almost like counsel her friends, like, come sit with me. Like, what are your goals? Like, what are your dreams? And like, I bet at the time, like she even says herself, yeah, I was a weird kid, but I was like, you know, sometimes the things that we dismiss as like, weird or eccentric or unusual like end up being the things that are our unique strengths are the things that give us value and i think how many people would show up at a conference where they're desperate to meet someone like i think of so many conferences i've been to where i've been like oh my god if i could get five seconds with that person i love them but they just sit in the audience and they stare right you just sit in the audience and you stare and you're just like okay well it's not possible like how many people then actually like tap into that creative genius to think, well, now hang on a minute. So another thing is similar to the point you said, you know, structural oppression is real. We can't change that. We can't change our identity. We can't change how people treat us based on our identity. But one of the things that is really inspiring me in this book is the fact that, you know, Arlen is like unashamedly a black lesbian woman. And, you know, she's been a big advocate for like the lesbian community. Like, you know, she started her online site. Um, she's done a lot of incredible things for, for her community. And at the same time, I was like, despite the fact that we're still living in like a super homophobic world, unfortunately, she has so much confidence and so much courage. I mean, of course, I know that there are certain times that weren't, easy for her and she's really transparent and open about that in the book but it's like I do feel sometimes like because of how we're treated in society we almost like doubt ourselves before we even put ourselves in the arena do you know what I'm saying like we like disqualify ourselves from the match before we even join the fight and I think it's really important for us to remember that we have to be in the fight or we have to be in the game because if we're not in it, nothing is going to happen. And sometimes we need to hear stories of people that threw themselves in the ring, got beat up a few times, but also won some matches, people that we can relate to in order for us to believe it's possible. I mean, yeah, I think that's why like I used to spend so much time reading biographies, but obviously it was difficult because I couldn't always relate to everyone's story because like, I was like, this isn't my story. Like I'm not, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'm not a white guy from Austria, or I'm not, you know, You're the founder not? of McDonald's. Right. No, where's my check, Arnold, <laughs> and McDonald's, teeths. But I mean, keeping it real, that's why this book is so powerful. Because it really is somebody who's got, who's leveraged everything that society said was a negative and used it to kind of like upend the system and, and not just upend it for their own benefit, but open the door to everybody else. The chapter, um, the industry wasn't built for us, so you can imagine what that's all about. Essentially, what is written in it is that the prescribed way of doing things mm. won't work for you. So a quick story that's quite funny. Like, I knew a young black entrepreneur, and um, he was like a Tim Ferriss disciple. If you don't know Tim Ferriss, Tim Ferriss is like lifestyle guru, um, four, the author of the four-hour work week, whatever, whatever, right? And he had like these challenges where he'd be like, I want you to go and do an eye contact challenge, basically, where you just look at people in the eye and don't break eye contact. Oh, wow, right? okay. Yeah, it's really weird. It's a, way, it's a way of building confidence, supposedly, in it. 
So my friend was talking about this. I was like, bro, like the areas that we grew up in, if you do this, you're going to get beat up. Don't do this. Like you can't just be going around staring people in the eye and thinking that it's all kosher because this is a very middle-class centric, upper-class white, you know, suburban book and viewing and perspective. So don't get yourself beat up for the wrong reasons. Right? <laughs> and yeah, I was reminded reading this chapter that the advice that you hear out there, you're going to have to tailor it to your own perspective because it's not, yes. it wasn't created with the idea of someone like yourself taking it on board i think unfortunately a lot of startups from our community have probably died because Mm. they instead of maybe following their own personal conviction as founders or the the data being shared by the community they brought the wrong investors and the wrong advisors on board who didn't really get it and then just steered the ship in the wrong path yeah i mean if you spent all day just reading paul graham's blog as a let's say you're a you know black woman aspiring entrepreneur and you sit there reading a blog about YC you're gonna get in trouble because to be honest like we said what's the odds of getting funding as a black woman I think it's 0.2% of all VC money go to black women that's not to say that you can't be that 0.2% you may you may be that person oh my god I hope to god that you are right but if you're reading about the you know the generic startup advice which is yeah build to scale and don't be profitable don't worry about making any money you need to get to you know venture scale right um you're going to be in trouble because you're going to pour a lot of money into a company that probably will never raise money. Statistically speaking, won't yeah. raise money. Um, and then you're going to be like, well, we don't have a business. We have to shut down because we're not profitable right now. So that's the type of stuff that when I look at the generic advice out there, I'm like, yeah, this industry wasn't built with me in mind because I don't have a Rolodex of uh, VC investors I can contact. I... Right now I do. <laughs> but at the time I didn't, right? I was going to say, I think about this so much, so much because when I first started Hustle Crew, I spent so much time, and now I just see it as like a sunk cost. I'm like, okay, well, that's time I'm never getting back, whatever. I spent so much time reading venture deals, Brad Feld's venture deals, going online, um, writing all the courses, venture capital for dummies, what's a term sheet, what's this, what's a preferred stock, blah, 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 blah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm glad I know these things, and you know, I scout for venture funds now, and that information is useful, but... The whole time I was spending my time, like just trying to understand what venture capital is, I should have just been focused on building my community. And the ironic thing is like at the time, I thought I was building a startup, but really to solve my problem, all I needed was a company. You know what I mean? Like I didn't need something that was like an iterative experiment that ultimately becomes this scalable global solution. I just needed a problem to a solution and and, and that could have been a company. And I feel that if I had known these staggering stats that show just how much the odds are stacked against me, I feel like Mm. I would have approached things so differently, you know, so differently. I mean, I'm not sad at how things have worked out. I, I, I think in the end, you know, I found my way and that's great. But I just feel like mm-hmm. there's hours and hours and hours. I'm thinking like talks I went to at Google campus, angel investors I pitched Dang. to that were not interested at all. And I was just like, what was I doing? Like someone should have told it's me that black women get no funding so I could have saved my time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, I don't think it's about being like, yeah, I try to be like for a proviso and let's not be super defeatist. You can raise money. It's possible, right? But just take it with a pinch of salt and think, how can I tailor this advice to my actual situation, right? Um, and, you know, the positive side of it is, is that you can find diamonds on the ground. So here's a, an example. In the book, 
She talks about how most VC firms only give money to people based on warm intros. We've all heard it, right? We only take warm intros. So if another founder recommends you, then we'll have a look at your pitch deck, right? Um, or if you went to Harvard or Stanford, automatically we're going to give you a look, right? But what does that actually do? So when Arlen built her VC firm, she obviously couldn't build it based on that principle because she herself wouldn't have class, uh, have been you know, qualified to get a meeting, right? So in the end, you end up discovering, or she ended up discovering all these companies that were not getting funded, that deserved funding, and it was money on the ground, literally, because all these VCs had this stupid-ass rule um, for an industry that wasn't built for black people or women or women of color specifically, and there's opportunity there, right? So you're just going to have to get creative and see, like, where are the blind spots of the industry? Like, when you hear an advice that's been given to you and it doesn't fit you, sometimes there's a whole company startup idea built in that advice being flawed. Am I making sense? That's so true. I didn't even think about that. Right? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's like you're seeing opportunities that others haven't done or rather, like, the problem you yourself are facing is now a new challenge to solve and build a solution for. When we reflect at the dynamics of the landscape, whether that's tech or really just, you know, in general, like our society, advanced capitalism, etc., we see so many things through the lens of wealth, like through the lens of capital, mm. like, wow, okay, that person has mm. a lot of money, they have a lot of power, influence, control. And what Arlen talks about is that we should never underestimate or undervalue the value and power within our connections, within our networks. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, we've said it on the yeah. show before, right? Like your network is your net worth. But what she's saying is like, when you take the time to invest in people, like one, you are maximizing the probability that that will be like a positive outcome in your favor. But also you're almost building up your own assets, right? They, they may not be ones that you can exchange for a Porsche, right? But they are ones that you can exchange for other really, really lucrative opportunities. Um, and she spends a lot of the, a lot of the book talking about her personal philosophy for how to interact with people. And I do think yeah. that it's worth us reminding everyone that there's so much power in being genuinely positive and genuinely caring mm -hmm. and and not enough people are like michael and i off mic earlier we we're just talking about a recent exchange i had where someone about 10 years younger than me was extremely dismissive of <laughs> of, of me like someone coming up in tech and i didn't really want to be that mm. person that's like oh you do you know who i am but i found it i found it like really baffling that someone could be so just tangibly negative <laughs> and tangibly dismissive yeah. in what was ultimately like a casual conversation about the industry and like stuff like that. And I just kind of thought it costs nothing, literally nothing to be positive yeah. and kind, like nothing. It costs you nothing and it can earn you everything. That's the, that's the paradox behind it. And we were even talking, you know, you mentioned off mic, how like how we've been in rooms where people have been dismissive and then as soon as they found out by other people's reactions, oh, you know, techish, whatever, whatever, now they want to get polite. Now they want to be like, oh my God, like, yes, yeah, tell me more about what you did. Fam, you should have been like that anyways. You should have been interested anyways just exactly. because I'm a human being. Like, like, don't get interested now just because all of a sudden you, some people like respect me. Like, don't, don't do that. Don't play yourself because now automatically I'm like, I don't even want to talk to you anymore. Like, because you were just being rude before until you thought there was something in it for you, right? So be curious about, about people like, and just be nice. Um, exactly. Like, I, I, this is a chapter where I have, I think I have the most highlights. And I think also because I, I do 
consider one of my strengths to be my ability to connect with people. So I want to know on an individual level how I can really hone this superpower because I think it is a superpower. You know, Mm. we really underestimate the ability to connect. But look, we're social creatures. I mean, I know we're all isolated at home, but (laughs) we still need to connect. (laughs) We still need to connect. And number one, every time you meet a new person, you have an opportunity to learn something. If you can rewire your brain to think like that, every time you meet someone, you're never going to dismiss them. You're going to see them as an opportunity to learn, as an opportunity to connect. So I love that. And I think that's something that's so important to remember. But here's the other thing, just like we said. Oh, go on. No, I was going to be like, sometimes you learn what not to do. (laughs) Because in case you're like, oh, I don't want to talk to this person. They're like, you know, they've made a complete mess of their life. But be curious anyway, because then you might be like, okay, don't do what they did. (laughs) Exactly. that relationships matter more than money status and material things and i think that's absolutely true you know this article always circulates on like forbes and business insider like the seven things of people on their deathbed and it's this idea Mm -hmm. that like you know when people are saying like you know what are your biggest regrets or like what what do you appreciate most about life it is never ever like oh those nights i worked late or that time i won the promotion or that time i landed that bonus it's never about that right it's always about relationships like People's biggest regrets relate to relationships. People's proudest achievements relate to relationships. And I just think if we are accepting that the playing field is uneven, you know, we're competing against people who've got mounds and mounds of wealth that we cannot access and that gives them advantages in our society. There is nothing in this uneven playing field that bars you and I from building relationships with other people. And I just think if you start to see your wealth portfolio as being comprised not only as in terms of cash, but in terms of the quality and diversity of your relationships, how much richer are you now? Yeah, but can I pay the bills of people? No, I'm joking. (laughs) 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 The curiosity thing, like, um, uh, this is like something that makes me sound mad arrogant, but I'm not gonna lie, I'm astounded by the amount of people that I speak to who like, they wanna be entrepreneurs and I'm asking more questions than them. Like they might work at a company I'm interested in, so like, I'll ask them a whole bunch of questions and then I'll learn, like just glean that they want to be an entrepreneur, right? And I'm like, fam, if I had met somebody who was, you know, four or five years ahead of me as, as an entrepreneur, when I was starting out, I would have picked their brain like mad. And I'm not saying this because I'm like, why don't you ask me questions? I'm important. But yeah. I just mean the principle of just like, you know, like you're actually slipping. I'm not going to lie because I walked out of here with more nuggets than you and I'm probably where you want to be, not the other way around. So yeah, just be curious. I, I mean, and everything you said there about just the actual... Um, intrinsic value of people and get to know people just by being a nice person that's important but also if you actually want to get where you want to get talk to people because you just don't know who's who you don't know who can put you on who's got the connect to like a certain job or whatever whatever like um honestly and growing up in london mm. i was gonna say like growing up in london there was it was something i had to unlearn because uh kind of in the kind of I don't know what the right word to use, but in the black community in London, there was a kind of a thing where if you were someone who was seen as like too networked or too too out there, people used to be like, oh, they're a bit like, their face is about too much, man. I don't really really trust them. They're about too much. But those are the people now that if you want to get a job, yeah, you're hollering at them. I've been reflecting on that a lot because, you know, as I mentioned in the last episode, I was laid off, right, as a result of COVID-19. And when I shared the episode... And a few people listened to it, everything from like, you know, friends that hadn't quite heard yet all the way through to like people I've only met online, but you know, are like my internet buddies, like my connections. 
just started coming through for me and being like, oh, look, I saw this role. I think you'd be great for this. Or, hey, Abedasi, like, why don't you help, like, mm. uh, help us out with this project? Or, like, what do you think about this? Or, to be honest, even some of them are just like, I mean, I, if I can help you, let me know. But I just want to say, like, you're smashing it. I'm sure you'll find find something. And even those words mm. have so much energy in them to just, like, keep me going. You know what I mean? And I think we do mm. undervalue our relationships and we do undervalue connections. But if you've invested in those things, then like your times of need will not really be times of need because people will come through. That's what I found for sure. Like I ain't the richest person in the block, but if we were counting it in relationships, okay, Bill Gates, watch out, right? Like that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Yo everyone, that's been this episode. Um, just want to shout out to Arlen for sponsoring this episode and letting us, you know, do a little early review of our book. It's been really um I am so, so happy that I got this for free. I'm going to buy copies of this anyway, just to like make up the value. But seriously, people like pre-order about damn time. Yeah, the link will be in the show notes. Go get that. Do get your pre-orders in. So shout out to Arlen, shout out to Backstage Capital. Um, any closing words ever? Um, I'm just so happy I read this book. I'm, so, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep reading it and I'm, I'm going to look forward to quoting it in future talks and workshops. Dope, dope, dope. All right, everyone. Peace. Oh, Catch wait. you next week. Hang on. please use hashtag techish if you have any reflections maybe from your own personal experiences about the anecdotes and advice that we've shared of course we'd love to hear from them so please yes hashtag techish let us know all right cool ciao Thank you once again, Abadesi and Michael. Really, really appreciate it. Um, I know, again, it was a a sponsored episode, but it felt really, really like you got something from the book, and I do appreciate that. I hope everybody will check it out at itsaboutdamntime.com. You can pre-order it before May 5th or order it on May 5th, and keep in mind that it's available in the United States, in Canada, in the UK, all over the world. But in those three places, it's available direct from publisher. So go to itsaboutdamntime.com to check it out.